If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Hey, music lovers. The Cannamom Show podcast, in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars, is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at LampkinGuitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's a hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. The dog days of summer are here, and it's easy to toss back light beers like they're water in this triple-digit heat. But instead of reaching for a traditional beer, you can now enjoy the taste of craft-brewed beer with all of the benefits and effects of cannabis instead. Yes, please! On today's podcast, we're talking to a beer doctor, discussing the intersection of cannabis drinkables and the craft beer movement. Keith Via, creator of Blue Moon, received his PhD in brewing science from the University of Brussels in Belgium. Keith retired from Miller Coors in January 2018 with 32 years of brewing experience. Keith and his wife Jody set their sights on creating the finest alcohol-free beers without compromising on taste. Through Seria Brewing Company, the couple is reimagining the alcohol-free and cannabis-infused beverage categories. Keith is passionate about creating a delicious, satisfying option for the growing crowd of mindful imbibers. You know, the ones who want to feel relaxed and enjoy social situations, without the negative effects of alcohol. 
Keith is also the author of Brewing with Cannabis, Using THC and CBD in Beer. This book is part history, part roadmap with cannabis tincture and beer recipes. Brewing with Cannabis examines the convergence of cannabis and brewing in the modern craft beer movement. On this podcast, we compare the effects of beer, alcohol, and cannabis-infused beverages. Keith explains the difference between non-alcoholic and alcohol-free. We talk beer terpenes, tasting notes, food pairings, and dinner parties. Keith also shares his experience doing business in the alcohol industry and how that compares with his experience now working in cannabis. But first, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief, the muscle rub PhD formulated for what aches and pains you. And this week's story of relief is a personal one. I made it home to the ranch and was visiting with my parents, and my dad told me how much he'd been appreciating MJ Relief lately. Apparently, he'd taken a couple of spills and had bruised up his midsection pretty good. He thought he'd cracked a rib, and for the first few days when it was painful to simply breathe, he told me MJ Relief did its job and took the edge off. Massaging MJ Relief in a few times per day in that localized area brings soothing, helps with pain, inflammation, and bruising. So if you're feeling my dad's pain and want some muscle and joint relief of your own, head over to mjskinrelief.com. And if you're already a fan of MJ Relief, once the new website is live, I'll be kicking off an affiliate program so you can make money while spreading relief in your community. And Casually Baked listeners, you always save 10% when you shop mjskinrelief.com using promo code CASUALLYBAKED, all one word. That's mjskinrelief.com. And if you're listening on your phone, scroll down in the podcast app you're using to see the episode notes where you'll find links to this offer and more from other Casually Baked partner brands. All right. If you're already Cali sober, this podcast is definitely for you. It's also for anyone flirting with the idea of drinking less alcohol without smoking more cannabis. And of course, craft beer lovers, you'll appreciate hearing Keith's perspective on the evolution of the beer industry and the rise of craft brewers. And for you curious minds wondering, how do they take the alcohol out and add the cannabis in? You'll learn a little bit about the beer making process. So smoke them if you got them and belly up to the bar with me, my friend. It's time to get casually baked. It's high time. We had a high time together. This is my first show since I've been in Texas, and it's been triple digits since I arrived. So it is beer weather, and Dr. Keith Villa, I am so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Joanna. Yeah, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a fun time here, and uh, hopefully your listeners can learn a nugget or two about what we're doing here at Seria. I like that, a nugget. So you have a long history as a brewmaster, and you're the creator of Blue Moon, 
which is one of the beers when I do drink beer that I do appreciate. So what got you excited about taking everything you know about beer and applying it to the cannabis industry? I guess what what, uh, really got me excited was back in 2012, Colorado was the second state to legalize recreational cannabis. A lot of people think Colorado was the first, but actually Washington was the first. When it became legal, that's when I started experimenting, saying, you know, um, there's buds, you know, flower. There were vape pens, uh, a lot of stuff like that. Very few beverages. And I was thinking, along with my wife, how can we bring cannabis to the masses in a more socially acceptable format rather than smoking? Because, you know, uh, with smoking, it's bad for the lungs, you know, with COVID attacking the lungs and everything. And people uh, having asthma and other allergies where they can't be around smoke. And so we thought beer would be the perfect social medium to put cannabis in. As I got started to do a lot of the research, I found first and foremost you cannot put both cannabis and alcohol in a product and, and offer it for sale. That's illegal. Right. That yeah. really necessitated me developing a, a series of non-alcoholic beers that tasted good. The second big thing was, here's all this nice cannabis, but how do you put it in a water-soluble format? Because you can't just you know put buds in. You can't... Uh, uh, extract and put that in. It's got to be made water soluble. So you put it in to the liquid, whether it's water or beer or, or soda pop, whatever it is. And it's got to be in a format that goes in and stays in and doesn't float to the top or sink to the bottom and has to be there so that when the, or separate, yeah. yeah, when the customer purchases it, purchases the product, um, they have a good experience from the first drink to the very last. And, uh, so you need a very homogenous product. And we solved those. And then the last thing we did was uh, create a brand for uh, for this new thing. And we launched in December of 2018. I have been a fan of Hi-Fi Hops. And they are the first infused hops water. So the fact that now you're adding this nuance to it, you know, from a brewmaster's perspective and just refining it. And so it's like creating a more sophisticated category where you can start having this conversation with people about getting off the leaded stuff, you know, because regular beer, I stopped drinking it because it's loaded with what turns into sugar. And my face gets all swollen and it's not great for a woman in her mid forties. So I kicked beer to the curb until I found this hops water thing that got pretty exciting. But now to have something that feels like a true beer infused with my favorite flower, this is a home run. (laughs) (laughs) We certainly think so Um, because it gives consumers another option out there, uh, whether they there are still some folks who drink alcohol, but for those who don't want alcohol and are searching for some other experience, uh, we have our beer that's infused with uh, THC and CBD. And so people can have a great tasting beer with the effects of cannabis. And, and what we found also was that uh, as we were developing, we found that the, the smell, kind of that dank smell of cannabis was really polarizing to a lot of people we think 75 to 80% of people found it 
kind of offensive, like a, like a skunk or burning rubber. Uh, they had all their different descriptors for it. If they're not true cannabis <laughs> lovers. Right. Yeah. But Real cannabis lovers like that smell. But oh. if you're trying to onboard people into a cannabis culture, yeah, they're like, mm, that tastes like weed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and there's that, you know, 20 to 25% of the population that can't get enough of that dank smell. They, they love it. And, you know, they, they just absolutely love it. But the majority don't like it. And that. so what we decided early on was, we would get the distillates, THC and CBD, and if we choose any other cannabinoids, we'll use distillates that distill away those cannabinoids from the terpenes so you don't have the smells of cannabis. Uh, they do have a little bit of a bitter taste, and so that goes really well in beer, yeah. coffee, tea, and in any beverage that has bitterness to it. It works very, very well. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me pause you for a second because, you know, when you talk about using the distillate, that means that you're pulling these terpenes back in in different ways. So, you know, <clears throat> what are these terpenes that you're using that are giving that craft beer flavor but with um, cannabis infused? So, yeah, the, the terpenes and the natural aromas, for those of your listeners who are just getting into it, terpenes are those chemical compounds that are made by plants and they provide the unique aromas. For example, yeah. a, a strawberry plant, uh, the smell of strawberries or the smell of a, a ripe peach, uh, the smell of cannabis, the smell of hops in beer. Those aromas uh, are the result of chemical compounds called terpenes or officially terpenoids. And those are made naturally by the plants. And so they're very natural, but at the same time, they do have physiological functions in animals and, and humans. Uh, there have been uh, tests and, and several scientific papers written that show and prove that uh, aromatherapy, if you want to call it that, it really works. And so that's, that's why we think uh, the great smell and taste of our beers goes well with the distillate because our Belgian white, which is a, a Belgian style beer brewed with orange peel and coriander, it has the nice aromas of orange and coriander, which uh, are the result of two main terpenes. Number one is linalool, which is in coriander, and then limonene, which is the main one from orange peel. Those, ter those terpenes uh, have anti-inflammatory properties, anti-stress, relaxation type of properties. So when you mix that with THC, you get a real nice relaxing experience. Uh, but in particular, our Belgian white has five milligrams of THC. So it's, it's enough that we think most people can consume that, have the terpenes take effect, and just have for a really nice relaxing experience rather than getting buzzed or getting stoned. Uh, and it, for us, it, it's more of a feeling of taking the edge off when you have a, a rough day. You could have one of our products and, and feel nice. And the big thing is you don't wake up in the morning with a hangover. Okay, now riddle me this because I have not tried your um, beer yet. Though when I drink other cannabis beverages... I feel like I pace just like I would with someone who was holding a beer or a cocktail. So when I would have my one beverage and they would have their one beer, 
I kind of equate those feelings to be about the same and that I can have this high that lasts for an hour and a half or two hours or something if I have a couple of these. But then by the time I'm ready to go home, I'm fine again. So, you know, to me, I feel like the the experience is very similar to alcohol, but that could be the placebo effect also. However, I really think that the way the, I don't know if it's nanotechnology that you're using or whatever, that where it goes into the system faster, I really do feel like someone who drinks alcohol would have a smooth transition into trying these drinkables. Oh, exactly. And that's exactly our goal <laughs> because most people are familiar with the alcohol levels of different beer styles. For example, if somebody has a Coors Light or a Bud Light, they know they can have one and they're not going to fall down drunk on the floor. They're going to enjoy it. It'll quench their thirst. They can have six or eight or a case. Exactly. <laughs> but if they have a really strong beer, like, like a, an Imperial IPA or even cocktails, uh, they know that after even one, they're, they're going to start feeling it because those are strong products. And so we decided we would try to do a similar approach to our beers. And that's the reason we chose five milligrams for our Belgian white, because we think that at five milligrams, most people feel a, a relaxed feeling. They don't really uh, get stoned off of five milligrams. Of course, there are some, we're all different, and there are some people who are very sensitive to cannabinoids, and they do get a little bit more than a buzz from five milligrams. But the majority of people... Uh, just get a nice relaxed feeling, similar to what you have when you drink a, a light beer. Well, the other thing, too, is nobody really just wants to have one. You know, if you're having cocktails with friends, you'd probably like to have two on average if you're having a dinner. So, you know, if, you, if it's got very much more THC, then, you know, you're going to have yourself a situation. So, you know, I think the idea of it being a micro-dosed amount that I can then have two or three of is spot on. Yeah, that's that's it exactly again, because we we want people to enjoy themselves in a social situation and not get stoned and, and potentially end up in embarrassing situations and, and so forth. So we want people to really enjoy themselves with, with our products. And, and you do uh, start to feel it fairly quickly. Uh, on average, I would say, around 15 minutes, give or take, you start to feel it. Uh, and that's because of the, the nanotechnology. We haven't measured ours, but we think that our particles are somewhere in the seven to 800 nanometer range, which of course, the smaller the particles, the faster it goes into the system. And in the early days of beverages, the uh, particle sizes were much bigger. And that's why it took so long to get into the system and feel it. Uh, typically people would start feeling beverages that were made five years ago, six years ago, it would take uh, 45 minutes or more to start feeling. Whereas using today's technology, uh, you can start feeling it in as little as about 15 minutes um, with improvements being made almost every month. And so that someday we'll get to mm -hmm. parity between alcohol and cannabis where you can have a, be a alcoholic beverage uh, a cannabis beverage, and you'd be able to feel the results in similar time frames. Alcohol is typically a couple, two, two to five minutes, you're starting to feel the warmth of alcohol. And we feel that uh, with cannabis, 
uh, emulsions, they're getting close. Um, and we think in the next couple of years, they should be almost identical. Interesting. Okay. So switching gears a little bit, this just popped into my head. So you got your PhD in brewing science in Belgium. So besides what you learned about beer, like what about that Belgian beer culture did you learn that you're infusing into this brand, into Seria? Well, right from the top, the, uh, the name of our beer really comes from my experience in Belgium. Because uh, if you look at our, our label, uh, Seria, that comes from a couple things. Number one is Ceres, the Roman goddess of the harvest. That's her profile right there. Uh, since she was believed by the Romans to be responsible for good, good agricultural crops, and since cannabis is a crop, and, and so so is barley and oats and wheat and hops, we thought, what, what a perfect uh, person to put their profile on our logo. So Syria, Syria comes partly from the name Ceres, the Roman goddess, and it also comes from the campus where I got my PhD in brewing in Brussels. They referred to it loosely as the Syria campus. Uh, it was a French acronym that stood for the Center for Teaching and Research in the Food industries. And uh, on that campus, they had the brewing school, the chocolate making school, culinary school, hotel and restaurant management school, all these food industry schools. And uh, it was really a neat campus where you learned about these different areas and also learned how they go together, such as pairing beer with food. And so that's part of partly uh, what's infused into our products is, is the name. And then the other thing is just the the taste. Uh, in Belgium, when they teach you to, to brew, typically they'll say to uh, to make beers uh, that taste good, number one, and number two, uh, that you can drink a couple with uh, little effort. That is, you shouldn't have to choke down a beer. It should taste good enough that you could have one or two if you want. And, and that's called drinkability. So it should have a high degree of drinkability. And then the third thing is they have to go well with food. So you, you want to pair them or you want to make them so that you can pair them with dishes and enjoy uh, a, a nice dinner or lunch. And in our case, even breakfast because we don't have any alcohol. Yeah. Okay. I love this. So let's say that I'm having a dinner party and I'm going to be serving up both of your cannabis infused beers. So talk to me about the proper glass that I should be serving them in and maybe some good food pairings to go with them. And you'll obviously have to explain the beers as you're telling me this. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll start with our, our Grain Wave Belgian okay, White. So think of this as a, uh, um, a flavor that's very similar to Blue Moon. So if your listeners have uh, had Blue Moon before, that's the type of experience they'll have here with a... Uh, uh, a nice aroma of, of orange fruitiness and uh, and that coriander uh, aroma. And it's got a, a light to medium body. So this one, uh, from a flavor perspective, goes really well with, I would say, Mexican spicy food, Thai spicy food. Uh, it goes well with chicken dishes, pork dishes, and seafood. Uh, because of that citrusy character, it goes nicely with, with uh, uh, grilled salmon, for example. And so those are the type of dishes uh, you would enjoy with this beer. Uh, and if you wanted a dessert, uh, there, there are hints of French vanilla in this product. So 
So it goes well with vanilla-based desserts. Now, what what glass do we serve it in? This one, um, typically it could go well in almost any type of glass, but it's nice to serve it in a, a, a thistle-shaped t- glass to concentrate those aromas so that as you, you enjoy the beer, the aromas come up to the nose and you can really smell those, enjoy the, uh, the smell, the taste, the texture of the beer uh, as you're enjoying your food too. It doesn't hurt also if you wanted to have a, a Blue Moon style of glass, the tall, I think it's like a 23 ounce glass for those of your listeners who are very thirsty. <laughs> okay, so now do you chill the glasses or we don't chill glasses? Typically, we, we don't chill them because the colder the glass, uh, the more it affects the foaming of the beer. Uh, and sometimes uh, you can pour the beer in and it, it can be very, very cold, but not have a very good head of foam because of all that, that, that frostiness of the glass. Um, but by all means, if, you, if that's the way you enjoy your beer served in a frosty, ice cold glass, then please enjoy it that way. But because all of us are different. And well, yeah, if it's 110 degrees, maybe you freeze the glass. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, when it's hot outside, uh, I, it just makes sense to freeze that glass and serve it in an ice-cold glass and, uh, and do it however you feel is, is the way that you want to do it is the right way. <laughs> you know, that's such a good salesperson. <laughs> okay. So um, now, Indie Wave, tell me about that. So Indie Wave is our IPA. It's, it's uh, I was going to say non-alcoholic, but um, our beers are unique because they're alcohol-free, meaning there's absolutely no measurable alcohol in our products. And we're one of the few craft beers out there that is alcohol-free. And it says uh, 0.00% alcohol, uh, which means that the government gives us permission to call call it 000 alcohol free. Uh, if the government was able to measure any type of alcohol, it's got to be called NA, non-alcoholic. Okay, so you're telling me that some non-alcoholic beers that are on the shelf, they do have a little bit of alcohol in them. So if somebody were to drink a six-pack, they might get buzzed. Um, it's possible. Legally, they should have less than 0.5%. But we have analyzed some that are as high as 2% alcohol. So, uh, And it's mainly because a lot of them out in the marketplace are not pasteurized to completely stabilize it. And so if there's a little bit of uh, brewer's yeast that's carried over into the product and it's not pasteurized, that yeast will continue to do its job Mm. and turn any sugars into alcohol. So that's why the brewer may release it uh, as a non-alcoholic beer, but over time, the yeast will start to re-ferment, and then it could be as high as a couple percent alcohol. But those are easy to recognize because those cans, uh, the bottom starts bulging out, and eventually the cans explode. But every can from Seria is pasteurized, so uh, you don't have to worry about any of that with our products. They're all pasteurized and stabilized. And so uh, because of that, you can store them uh, in your garage, in your pantry, or in your refrigerator Uh, so that they're ready for drinking. All right, right on. Very interesting. Okay, so back to my dinner party. Okay, so so for your guests that enjoy a good IPA, uh, this is an IPA that has what we call probably medium to slightly full body. And when you pour it out, it has a very thick, uh, 
head of foam that's stable and it lasts in the glass. So looks like a, a, a leaded alcoholic beer. Similar to our grain wave that also is brewed to have a really nice head of foam. So you've got that. And this is dry hopped with a couple of different hops. Uh, one is called Citra, which is a very citrusy, fruity hop. And another one is called Amarillo, which is a very citrusy, almost orangey smelling hop. Uh, and then a little bit of Cascade, which is a hop that has uh, an aroma of probably, I would describe it as grapefruit and grapefruit rind. And put those all together, and that's the aroma you get in this, this beer. It has 40 bitterness units of, of uh, from the hops. Uh, that means uh, it's a little bit bitter, but it's, it balances uh, the malts that are in here. There are two types. One is pale malt. The other is car a little bit of caramel malt. So that little bit of sweetness from the caramel malt is balanced by the, the bitterness. And because of that, you've got a, a product that lends itself well to pairing up with heavier dishes like beef dishes, steak, a hamburger it goes really well with with a heavier seafood dish, and it goes well with generally any any type of, of heavy dish like that. Uh, stews, uh, of course, you don't want a hot stew on a hot summer day, but in the winter time, uh, th this would go well with a lot of a lot mm -hmm, of those mm -hmm. type of dishes. And then uh, for dessert, this pairs really well with dark chocolate because of the bitterness and the hops. And, and that hint of caramel, it goes really well with dark chocolate. It, it can go well with milk chocolate too, but we really like it with dark chocolate desserts. With those two okay. products, you could have a nice dinner party. Nice. Now, what is the cannabinoid profile on that one? So this this one. On the Indie Wave. The Indie Wave. And actually, I've been showing the, the non-alcoholic, non-infused ones. I should be showing the infused ones because the infused ones have a uh, child-resistant end on them. And this is actually our old label. Um I don't have any of our new labels yet, but uh, this is Indie Wave. Uh, this has 10 milligrams of THC plus 10 of CBD. And this is our, our California can. So you see the California uh, cannabis warning right there. Uh, and you see the, the information here, 10 milligrams of THC plus 10 of CBD. And uh, the reason we do that is uh, with 10 milligrams, most people can get a really good buzz off that similar uh, to the buzz people get from drinking a, uh, a pint of IPA because IPA is a stronger beer with a higher alcohol content. So we wanted to simulate that experience. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, with THC, if you have just isolated THC, some people start to get a little bit anxious with that. And so to calm it down and make for a more mellow uh, experience, we put in 10 milligrams of CBD, and that really helps. Then, of course, the mm -hmm. main terpene in our um, IPA is uh, myrcene. And myrcene does a number of things. But one thing it does is that it does intensify the effects of THC. And uh, uh, the myr mm -hmm. myrcene comes from the hops. It's a natural terpene from hops. Myrcene is also something that comes from the cannabis plant. But in our case, it's very high uh, in concentration from the hops. And so it, it helps to, I would say, amplify the effects of THC so that you do get a little bit of a stronger buzz, but it's, it's uh, uh, mellowed out by the CBD. And so it's, again, the net yep. result is an experience that we think is similar I think that, to, to, to an alcoholic IPA. Yeah, I, I think that's smart because especially if it's me trying to introduce someone who loves a good IPA and they like the buzz they get from it. And I'm trying to introduce them to this. 
it makes sense that you would try to mirror that experience. So very cool. Um, so now I want to talk about sourcing because, you know, in order to have a really good product, you have to have really great ingredients. And, you know, you're in Colorado and in California. Talk to me about sourcing your hops and cannabis and orange peel. Citrus is a big thing in your product. So what are your standards on all that? What fun stuff can you tell me? Well, for example, the orange peel that we use, uh, I, I researched orange peels from pretty much every place that grows oranges from uh, Spain, Israel, Brazil, Florida, California, uh, and a couple other countries. And the one that really had the best, at least in my opinion, the best bright orange aroma uh, came from California. And it was a mixture of blood orange peel and Valencia orange peel. So, so that's what we use uh, is California orange peel. Uh, let's see. And then, uh, for the coriander, same thing. Uh, we, we tested a bunch from all over and found that the, the California coriander really has that bright fruitiness that we were looking for. Uh, and then for cannabis, uh, the unique thing about us is we get the distillation of uh, THC and CBD from the uh, cannabis plant. So we don't really need to uh, purchase the expensive buds or, or any type of flower because that is very expensive. And that's best used in, in smokables where people can see the buds and buy them and put them in their joints or their bong, whatever they're doing. For us, what we found is that we can get pure THC and pure CBD by distilling uh, parts of the plant that, that are naturally cut off during the trimming process. So if, if you're, uh, you or your uh, listeners have ever gone to a grow house, what you'll see is all the people working are uh, keeping those plants trimmed and looking as beautiful as possible and, and healthy too. Uh, and what they do is they trim a lot of the, the leaves, uh, excess branches, and, and the buds uh, have a lot of little leaves called sugar leaves because they're coated with, uh, with uh, THC containing trichomes. And so, so they cut the sugar leaves off to make the buds look really nice. And so the net result is you have a lot of this waste material called trim that's rich in cannabinoids and, and terpenes. And so we can purchase that at a, a low price um, compared to buds. And then we can extract out pure THC and pure CBD and then use that in our process. So that's, that's basically what we do to get purified THC and CBD. Uh, and, and in our process, it works very, very well. But like I said before, uh, there is a taste, a bitter taste in the, with cannabinoids, but there really are no aromas the way they are with terpenes. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of process, when I told people that I was going to be talking to you about cannabis-infused, non-alcoholic beer, they're like, how do you do that? <laughs> how do you take alcohol out of beer and then add cannabis to it? So, Give us the layman's version of the process. Okay, so normally there are different ways of making alcohol-free beer. I guess the, the two, two main ways to do it are uh, one way called vacuum distillation, where you make a beer, and then at the end of the process, you uh, put the beer under a vacuum and then heat it up, and what happens is the alcohol starts boiling off at a 
a low temperature since it's under a vacuum. So, so just about, I would say, room temperature on a summer day uh, is what, when the alcohol just starts boiling off. So you, you minimize any damage to the taste of the beer. The other way to do it is to uh, uh, use special yeasts or special yeasts which don't make alcohol, or you adjust the process to minimize any alcohol formation. And so what we've done at Seria is uh, we have a process that's proprietary where we, we do a combination of things to get alcohol-free beer uh, down to the level of 0.00. .00. And at that point, then we take the cannabinoids, we make them water-soluble. Well, in actuality, it's called water-compatible. And uh, we do that and then put that emulsion into the beer, uh, mix it up, then we put it in cans and then pasteurize it uh, to, to make it safe. And then after that, it's uh, taken to dispensaries for sale. Uh, so, yeah, it's a process that takes some time. The brewing process side, uh, we can have our beer ready in anywhere from one day to, to five days if we want. Um, because of our proprietary process, we can make it as fast as we want or slow it down. So if you slow down the process, is it doing anything to the flavor? Does it make the flavor more robust? Or is it just like you're just going slow because you can? It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, if, we, if we slow down the process, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't really result in, in a flavor change or, or anything like that. Uh, what it does is that it does allow some of the, the large... Uh, particles that are in suspension to come out to make the product a little more clear. So it makes it easier to filter at the end. So Blue Moon is unfiltered, correct? Your Blue Moon beer that you created? Sure. Okay, so that's unfiltered. And Seria is all filtered. Um, no, our, our Grain Wave Belgian White is unfiltered and our IPA okay. uh, is centrifuged, meaning it's not a filter. It goes through a piece of machinery that spins it to take out the big hop particles. Uh, and when it does that, it makes it a little more clear. Uh, there's just a touch of haze in our IPA, uh, which is normal for an IPA, but uh, the big particles are taken out by the centrifuge. Okay. There is one more thing I wanted to touch on. So when you and I talked once before and we're talking about, you know, bringing the beer drinkers over to this experience, we talked about beer terpenes and the certain terpenes that you said would be reminiscent to that beer lover. So I'm assuming you've used some of them in the beers that you've created, but can we just talk more in general about terpenes and the ones that you say have this kind of beer essence to them? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So again, um, in an IPA, uh, there are a lot of terpenes that are pr produced by the hop varietals. I, I mentioned a couple earlier, and some of the specific terpenes are, uh, there's one called myrcene, which is the majority one, and then there's another one called humulene. Uh, both of those terpenes are also found in the cannabis plant, but at lower quantities. Uh, in the hops, they're very high quantities, and that's, those are the two main ones that, I guess, make, make a beer smell more like a beer. Well, okay, so see, that's weird to me because myrcene is like mango and really fruity. And when I think of beer, I do not think of myrcene. It's, yeah, it's, it's 
complex because when myrcene is present with other terpenes, um, it just it takes on a different uh, character. Some people say fresh cut grass, hay, uh, it, it, when it's in a beer situation. And, and like you said, okay. in, on the cannabis side, a lot of uh, literature that you read say, oh, it's mango-like and, and such. And so, so the, the same mm -hmm. compound can be perceived differently in different situations and in different concentrations. Mm -hmm. So if it's present in a high concentration, it'll smell slightly different than when it's present at a low concentration. And this is just us having a conversation about the entourage effect. I mean, that's exactly what this is. Right. When you have terpenes so. with cannabinoids all together, uh, you have what, what you just mentioned, the entourage effect, which uh, I guess you could just describe it as uh, the whole is better than any part of it. And, you know, and that's the whole point is like in cannabis, we talk about the entourage effect. But when you really start breaking down everything in life, whether or not it's beer or cannabis or a family or your marching band, it is the entourage effect. That's just something that is just rubber stamped over and over in nature. And I never really thought about it like I do now that I'm in the cannabis industry. Oh, yeah. It really is uh, true when you think about it that uh, the whole, again, like you said, Society. If it's society, it's like the whole the whole inclusive group is much better than one single person. And in the world of cannabis, the whole of the plant, the entire extract, uh, is generally better than one isolated component, such as THC or CBD. Uh, that's why it's good to mix them together as much as possible. And in our case, uh, we have THC plus all the different terpenes that are present. Uh, and, and then in another of our beers, the IPA, we have myrcene and humulene, along with CBD and THC, uh, to try to to simulate a type of entourage effect. So, uh, so yeah, for us, we we feel happy with where we are uh, in the taste and the aroma and the physiological effects of our beers. Nice. Well, I look forward to trying them. Now, I'd love to get your take on the cannabis industry versus your 30 plus years in the alcohol industry, just kind of a compare and contrast. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I have had a long career in brewing and I've seen a lot of changes uh, back uh, in the eighties. When I started the world of beer was pretty much Coors, Bud and Miller, not a lot of any other choice. There were imports uh, from Mexico. And then, of course, uh, Heineken was a big import from Europe. Uh, but over time, we saw the advent of uh, artisanal craft breweries. And it really changed the, the scene for brewing. So that nowadays, you've got your local brew pub you can go to, or your local brewery or tap room, and have just a whole variety of beers uh, ready to taste. And the styles, too. I've been a beer judge for many years, uh, and I've judged competitions as far away as Japan. And so I've seen the styles, the number of styles of beer increase from, gosh, probably when I started, there were maybe 70 styles. No, actually less than that. There were probably 40 styles. And now there are, gosh, 98 different styles of beer. So it just keeps increasing because people... Uh, especially craft brewers, are innovative and come up with new styles. Um, 
but at the end of the day, it's yeah. alcohol, you know, it's beer, it's alcohol, and it's put in a way that hopefully tastes good for a customer to enjoy. Also, the thing to keep in mind is that in our lifetimes, alcohol has always been legal. It's never been uh, under prohibition, uh, in, again, in our lifetimes. So, so we've never known a day when alcohol was illegal. Cannabis, on the other side, is still federally illegal. So that it brings a host of problems when, when it's federally illegal. It, yes, it's legal in certain states. I think it's up to 18 states now. Uh, but Cal California, Colorado is where we operate. And since it's not federally legal, uh, we do see some issues such as labeling issues. Uh, there, there are, are um, problems like you cannot transport the products across state lines once it has THC in it. Uh, even even from one legal state to the next, you can't transport over state lines. And and then, of course, 280E, the IRS tax rule. Uh, if you touch the plant, you cannot deduct uh, normal business expenses, except for cost of uh, goods sold. But you can't deduct anything else. So, so th what happens is in the cannabis world, the effective tax rate for almost all businesses is around 70 Seven zero percent. So think about that. That's <laughs> that's outrageous, and that's that's insane. And that's one reason why uh, two things. One, the federal government, I don't think, in my opinion, is going to legalize it soon because they're making a boatload of cash <laughs> off off of the uh, making it illegal. Uh, it's it's just crazy how much money the government makes. And, and I'll back up and, and clarify that the government, yes. Considers, considers it illegal, but under government law, it doesn't care if you make your income legally or illegally. You have to report that income and pay taxes on it, uh, which is crazy. It's like, even if you're a, dealing in, in crystal meth and you could, you're making a million dollars a year, you have to report that income because if you don't, the government will come after you and, and charge you with uh, income tax evasion and all these other things. Uh, that's how they typically uh, get people put in jail. But but they want their tax dollars. And that's the reason I, I don't think it's going to be federal. Yeah, they're so. the mob. <laughs> the legal mob. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so there's a lot of things. They're not even doing it legally anymore. <laughs> so I guess why I wanted to talk to you about this is that I was curious if you thought it was going to be pretty easy to come over into this industry because, you know, you're doing what you do. There's not really that much difference. You still have a distributor, you know, you're doing sales and marketing and all this stuff. But I'm willing to bet that it's like three or four times as challenging as it was in alcohol. Oh, definitely. Because number one, you can't sample product. Whereas with alcohol, you can set up a little booth in... Uh, a liquor store or a grocery store and sample a new beer with, with customers with cannabis. You can't do that. You have to, if you do any sampling, it's, it's gotta be without the THC component component in the, in the beer. So you have to make sure you have non-infused product for sampling. And then typically you have to sample outside of the dispensary because inside the dispensary, uh, you're not allowed to con consume any cannabis. And there are, are, almost always uh, security cameras all over inside a dispensary. And it's because the authorities are looking to make sure 
all laws are followed. And of course, on a camera, they don't know if you're drinking something that has infusion in it or not. So that's why you, if you do sampling, you have to go out in the parking lot and then you sample out there, which is kind of silly. Um, another big thing, uh, difference. Well, well, hold on. Let while we're while we're talking about drinking it. Um, in California, there are a lot of, you know, now consumption lounges. Mm -hmm. Is that a thing yet in Colorado? Do you have consumption lounges there yet? Um, we have a couple, uh, but one just opened that is really like a bar type of uh, destination. And uh, so it's starting. And so now we're at the point where we can truly have a a lounge type atmosphere for people to go and enjoy their product, which when you think about it, it's crazy that those haven't been around for a long time. Uh, but up to, up to now, like in Colorado, it's been legal to buy cannabis, but you can't smoke it in public. Uh, you can't smoke it in hotel rooms. So all those tourists who came for cannabis, they, you know, they're not supposed to smoke in public. They're not supposed to smoke in their, uh, rental car or in their hotel room. So there was no place for them to enjoy it legally. Of course they did, but, uh, uh yeah. now with lounges, of course, the consumption lounges but, is you perfect. Know, yes. And I just imagine one day, one day, Keith, you will be able to sell a keg of infused beer to a cannabis lounge and I will be able to go in and choose the flower that I want. And, you know, so the bartender, bud tender, you know, pour me a beer, pour me a pint and have this like totally normal experience that I have every day at home that, that there's no reason I shouldn't be having it in public, but that's coming. And I'm excited about that. But I think the mob of a federal government is, um, I'm nervous about them making it legal because Lord only knows what's going to happen next. Right now, I'm just like, mm, states' rights is fine. It's, You're absolutely it's, right. I don't know. <laughs> it just seems crazy. Yeah, no, you are absolutely <laughs> right. And uh, um, But I, I do think, like you, someday in the future, things will be much different where you can go to a bar and have, have a glass of uh, cannabis beer, uh, and, and there will probably be concentrated shots too, you know, like hundred milligram THC shots uh, for you to, if you're, if you just want a quick shot, the way that people go in and have a shot of, if you're feeling brave, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the way that people drink whiskey, you know, they'll have a shot of whiskey or a shot of tequila. Uh, and I think, I think a, a shot of cannabis extract at different levels, you know, maybe a 25 milligram or 50 or a hundred milligram shot. Uh, but there, I think it's going to be very different in the future and definitely more user-friendly when it comes to enjoying cannabis in a consumption lounge. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you said earlier about the innovation that happened in the craft beer space. We need this continued innovation in the cannabis space because not everybody wants to smoke flour. And, you know, you can be walking down a street with an infused beer and a koozie and nobody would know the difference. So you're not disrupting anything. Nobody can smell you, you know, drinkables is a growing category and it's one that I really love. I'm excited about and especially infused drinks that don't have added sugar. They don't have crap added into them. 
And so it's hydrating and also, you know, satisfying my need to be casually baked. <laughs> exactly. And, and to me, uh, I, I think the, the great part is that beers or, or beverages made with hops and barley malt, uh, they're basically plant-derived drinks uh, with health benefits. A lot of people don't think of it that way because when people think of beer, a lot of them think of the alcohol and everything, which, which is a natural component. But, of course, it does lead to liver damage and, and other, uh, I guess, negative effects on the human body. But when you remove that alcohol and uh, take it out of the equation, you end up with a, a plant-based beverage uh, that's hydrating and, and somewhat healthy. And then when you put cannabis in that, yeah. it's even uh, makes it more more of an experience. So yeah, it's it's just uh, I, I think I think the future is really bright for cannabis beverages. Nice, I agree. Now before we go, I want to plug your book, um, Brewing with Cannabis Using THC and CBD in Beer. So who did you write this book for? Is this for the craft beer? world, the professionals, or is this for the at-home hobby brewer? Um, I think both can, can get uh, benefit from it because in there I, I, I talk about, uh, oh gosh, I, well, I should back up and say the last time somebody wrote a book about brewing with cannabis was 1995. And back then things were totally different than today. Uh, and in fact, the author uh, there's a picture of him. He has a, a brown paper bag over his head so nobody can recognize who he is. I mean, because back in the <laughs> 90s, it was, it, I mean, it still is federally legal, but back then it was really, I guess, uh, dangerous to, to put your. Yeah, that was right after the 1994 crime bill. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, everybody was afraid to get put in the pit. Oh, exactly. And so today we've got our book and. I have some homebrew recipes that people can try, some interesting beers like a, uh, oh gosh, I think I have a chocolate porter and a peanut butter ale and a, um, what else, just a golden lager. I have a bunch of different recipes in there, uh, and I've shown how people can make an alcoholic tincture with cannabis and uh, use that to dose a given amount of, of milligrams of cannabis into their, their beverages. And... Uh, but it's written for the home brewer, the professional brewer, because there's also a couple chapters on the legalities, uh, the sales aspects, the marketing aspects. And then there's a couple chapters on the biology of the plant and how to grow it, how to deal with pests. And of course, there, there's bigger specific books for like growing cannabis, if, you, if that's all you want to do. I've just touched the surface on some of these things uh, since it's been so long since a book was published about cannabis. Well, well, a book published about cannabis and beer. beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, brewing with beer, beer and yeah. cannabis, yeah. So you kind of go soup to nuts if somebody just didn't know anything about growing and they wanted to grow it and then make tincture, make their own beer. All right, that's awesome. And, and I talk, yeah, going, I talk a little about, about the history of why it was made illegal. And, of course, there's a lot of theories out there as to why cannabis was made illegal in the 1930s. And as you do the research... Um, there, there was there were bits of racism involved, uh, threats to profits, all, just all kinds of stuff. And um, but it was never studied. The plant was never studied uh, to prove that it was as addictive as it was claimed to be. Uh, I mean, that's that's really how convenient. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the reasons it was made illegal because was, they said it was highly addictive and there was no medical value. Uh, 
but you fast forward to today and you've got purified CBD extracts made from cannabis that are being used successfully to treat children with severe seizures. Uh, and, uh, and so it is proven to be uh, mm. medically useful. And that's just one aspect. Well, and it's so funny because you don't need a study to know if it's good for you or not. Right. You know, if you listen to your body and you consume it, you immediately know you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not thinking about a thousand things right now. I don't feel like the weight of the world's on my shoulders. I'm not concerned about X, Y, Z. Like you immediately feel the medical benefits of consuming it. And so, yeah, the prohibition really grinds my gears, Keith. <laughs> and it's time for it to just like totally be over. I, I sure hope so. It's uh, it's proven that it doesn't work, uh, just like prohibition of alcohol. That didn't work. You know, people kept consuming. Um, and, and the fact that cannabis is medically useful, it's... Uh, it is addictive mm -hmm. in some in a small amount of cases, just like alcohol. There are some people who are alcoholics, and there's a few in the cannabis world who develop yeah. CUD, cannabis use disorder, which is the name for, I guess, uh, someone who's hooked on cannabis. But it seems to be clear that... And that's a genetic thing. Uh, well, it's, it's not everybody. Get your genetic roadmap done. You'll know exactly if it's good for you or not. But it's the idea of... We shouldn't have to defend ourselves anymore. There's plenty of research out there. Mm -hmm. Get off my ass and just let me do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we're adults. It's uh, <laughs> we should. I mean, we should be trusted to, yeah. to handle our own bodies the way we want. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a little extra fired up because I just got back to Texas. <laughs> uh, you need you need to uh, relax with one of our beers. There's a lot to be. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a lot of work to be done here in Texas when it comes to cannabis. And so, yeah, I'm just starting to dive into all of that. So it's got me a little fiery. Well, we know that the majority of Americans want <laughs> cannabis to be legalized. Uh, and that's across the states. Yeah. It's across uh, political spectrums, whether you're talking Democrats or Republicans, uh, the majority want uh, legal cannabis. And so... I think it's it's time for politicians to listen to the general public. Yes, and not use the cannabis industry as bait because that's how they swing a bunch of voters is like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna le federally legalize cannabis, and then they don't do shit about it, and everybody's like, hey, wait a minute, I trusted you. Well, I'm like, well, stop <laughs> trusting them. Oh, everybody thought Biden, uh, you know, by being elected, oh. that we would see federally legal cannabis, but they've pretty much treated it like a hot potato and dropped it. And it's like, we're still where we were. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's just sad. It's, it's sad, but yeah, someday. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just the game of politics. And the sooner everybody recognizes that it's a game, then we can all stop paying attention to it and like just dive in to your local governments. Because it starts locally and it goes up. So if we like know everything that's going on in our local governments and we're getting involved there, you get to stop the bleeding. Oh, yeah. And then the sad part is there are people sitting in jail right now because of something they did with cannabis. Maybe they were caught with a joint. Maybe they were caught selling one. But because of that, they're sitting in jail and they will be for years to come until we see uh, federal legalization. And it's just so sad. Uh, people's lives have been wasted because uh, they were 
caught with cannabis. And uh, yeah, so so it really is uh, yeah. a sad situation uh, that we've ended up in, and, and I hope it's remedied soon. I like to be a glass half full kind of a gal. Pollyanna, I get called Pollyanna <laughs> sometimes. But yes, I think, you know, if more people speak up, come out of the cannabis closet, do the things that they need to do in their own communities and be action oriented, as I like to say, do it or don't, but do. And if someone wants to get in touch with you, they want to follow Saria, tell us how um, to find you. Saria Infused is our uh, handle, Saria Infused, whether it's uh, Facebook or Instagram. And then we've got Saria, I think it's Saria NA or Saria Alcohol. Brewing. Saria Brewing is, is our uh, non-infused uh, alcohol-free handle. So contact us. We're always happy to answer questions. And if you have any praise or even if you, if you taste our products and say, ah, that's not for me, we'd love to hear that too. Now, the one thing I will encourage people to do. So if you are in California or Colorado, you can go to sariainfused.com and see the dispensaries in California and Colorado that carry it. If your dispensary isn't on there, ask them for it. If you love hi-fi hops and you'd like to have a little bit of variety in your life, ask them to check out Saria. And then if you are in a non-cannabis state, Saria Brewing, um, I've noticed it's in some really interesting locations around the country, not anywhere within like a 70-mile radius of me, but I will go into my local liquor store and ask them if they'll carry it. Do you have any contracts with like a... Target or Sam's or, or one of those kind of things coming up? Yeah, we're, we're available in, gosh, 20 states with our non-infused uh, beers. And let's see, in Texas, we're in HEB and Target. Um, HEB, of course, is a really uh, great partner, as is okay. Target. And then, of course, yeah. Total Wine. And, and then in, in different uh, smaller liquor stores and grocery chains, and as you said, if you go on our sites, uh, Saria Infused or SariaBrewing.com, we do have a store locator and a dispensary locator. And if you don't see it in your dispensary or your store, uh, please ask them to, to carry it. What is the price point? For Infused, the suggested price is around $8 per can. And that's mainly because of the taxes and everything involved. The non-infused, I believe it's $8.99 for a six-pack is the suggested price. Uh, and, of course, it's up to the dispensary or the, the store to set their own price. Yeah. Well, this Cali Sober thing is real. And, you know, there's so many people that are just recognizing as we get older, alcohol doesn't agree with us quite as much. You know, the hangovers are a little harder and... The waking up in the middle of the night, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. That stuff got real, real for me after I turned 40. So when it's hot as balls outside and you just want a beer, I'm all about the non-alcoholic beer. So oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm excited to try it. And thank you for doing what you do. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me on. And uh, yeah, as we go forward, we'll just keep uh, expanding to new states. And we're always experimenting with new styles and uh yeah, if any of your listeners have a beer style that they'd like to see us make, send us a note and we'll uh, 
test some, and who knows? We make. What about a stout? We can do stouts. However, a lot of people see the dark stout and they think it's going to taste like an ashtray and burnt and everything. Uh, and it usually doesn't. It's, we say they're afraid of the dark, <laughs> meaning the dark uh, color of the beer. Uh, they think it's going to be really burnt tasting. But uh, uh, so that's why stouts are difficult uh, because of that. But there's so many different styles of beer to play around with. I think stouts most of the time are creamy and delicious. I'm like, when I see one, I think of coffee or chocolate or something like that. Oh, so, oh yeah. And we, people just need to expand their imagination. Yeah, because we can make, <laughs> here we can make a chocolate stout. We can make a regular stout, a vanilla stout, a cinnamon. We can do a cinnamon horchata stout. Just all kinds of different things we can do. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really, as far as uh, beer is concerned, you know, it's, it's like uh, how limited is your imagination we can make a beer out of almost anything so that's why it's it's fun developing them and then uh offering them up to see what our customers think yeah well you get in there and have fun i know you are creating with your wife and daughter yes. which is amazing so when you support saria you are supporting a family owned and operated business yes yes you are and uh, we we enjoy it uh my wife is the CEO, which is rare in the cannabis and the brewing world to find female CEOs. And our daughter helps us on the, mainly the marketing side and the sales. Uh, but I've been teaching her how to brew uh, for the last couple of years. So she's getting pretty good at brewing. Uh, so she's going to be a jack of all, or I guess not a jack of all trades, but <laughs> uh, a Jill of all of trades. All there trades. you go. <laughs> or a person of all trades. She'll be able to do so much in the... Yeah. The brewing and the cannabis world. So, uh, but yeah, it is uh, family. It's really special to be able to have that kind of time with your father. So I know she's learning valuable skills and y'all are making memories that will last a lifetime coming from a girl who's just come home to hang out with her dad. So. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, Joanna. It's been fun. If you're excited about Saria, I've included links to find either their alcohol-free or cannabis-infused brew near you. Coming up on the podcast, we're talking to the Emerald Spirit Botanicals family about their quest to cultivate minor cannabinoids and their unique approach to cannabis breeding. Emerald Spirit Botanicals nurtures the sweetness of the earth to deliver a rare selection of one-to-one -one cannabis varietals. Ah, and what a refreshing and wonderful family. I loved this conversation so much, and I think you will too. In the meantime, if you want to connect or collaborate with me, email your messages, requests, or can of curious questions through the website, or DM me on social. When I'm there, I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, The Weed Tube, and Truth Social. However you decide to support our highly responsible cannabis movement, thank you for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Yes, it's a hot time. We had a hot time together. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Jamie Humiston at PodConnects. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, 
wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create high time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one talk at a time.